I was asked recently in an interview if everybody is creative, and it got me thinking. And so this week, the fact that we are all creative, and we are all creating, and we are all created, and then also I share some really, really embarrassingly terrible work that I have created. <laughs> I'm pre embarrassed. All right, here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Hoffholtz. We, we hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy the show. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Eve and Lucy, and thank you for being here on another new edition of Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. I am Eddie. It is nice to see you. It is nice to meet you. Thanks for coming back. You should know that this show starts as a newsletter, so you can subscribe to that over at eddiekoffeltz.com. You probably don't know how to spell that. It's fine. It's in the show notes, but there's always other content in the newsletter. This week, I do a book review over there for probably one of the best books I've ever read. It's not so much a review as much as like a just a recap and a suggestion. Uh, so go and check out the newsletter. All of it is available on the website and I can send it to you on Thursdays if you'd like. And so what this show is about, what I'm going to do now is read the newsletter that I just wrote. And it's kind of this main idea that I've been considering. And as the, the subtitle of the show suggests, the reason I'm sharing it is in my hope that we can traverse this life together. I don't know what you'll get out of it, but I know that in the past, hearing other people's stories and other people's thoughts has helped me. And so maybe me sharing with you will help you or entertain you or whatever. I'm just glad you're here. <laughs> um, and then the second part of the show is called The Free Skate, and that is because I kind of do whatever I want there. Um, and this week's free skate is going to be uh, fun and a little bit embarrassing. And it's just me. It's just me the whole time today. So for the entirety of the show, yours truly. I hope that's okay. Okay, uh, a couple things. First, the show is live. You may have already picked up on it. Uh, we record this in one hit. I do this uh, because I, I want to intentionally pull down the veil between us, especially with something that is this open and honest. I just want it to be me live with you, and I hope that maybe it lends some authenticity to the moment for for us. Ooh for us. All right, there we go. All right, well, with no further ado, let's uh, let's get to the main idea for this week. Issue 32. Sparkly, perfect, brutal. The act of creation is a brutal process. I suspect some would have chosen a softer adjective like messy or challenging, but those do not hold up under the weight. Creation is brutal. New love is created from friendships that were forged from introductions that were formed following a subtle smile across the patio at a mutual friend's barbecue. Yet at every step, the creation of romance sends even the most adjusted among us into a dance with insecurity and doubt. The parent is broken by the physical and mental toll of caring for a created life that seems to be fighting back at their valiant efforts. There is no more stamina, yet the baby monitor lights up at 3.15 a.m. and they have no choice. The college student delivers food in order to create a future that the parents dreamed of but could never afford. A memory book is created for an aging parent to remind them of what was as the family prepares for what's next. 
activists, engineers, right and left brainers, those who want and those with plenty, the brilliant and the average, the known and the invisible, everyone, everyone, everyone creates. We have all found reasons to push into the void because we see what is not there and we know that it is our job to make it exist. And therefore, we all know the cost of creation. It's paid for in time we don't have an energy that has no origin or goal in mind. In confusion and consideration, self-doubt and inspiration, we make things from nothing because we must. All of this has left me thinking about my own creation and my own circle of friends, one of whom I will call Adeline. For a number of years, I've been a part of various marketing teams in my mortgage-paying jobs. On one of those teams was Adeline, a young, talented writer who was charged with churning out copious amounts of cut-your-teeth, boring, repetitive fundraising copy. But she was so good at it. She made even the mundane something special. When she would bring me work that, in her estimation, was average, I'd have to choke down a bit of jealousy because her average made my best look meager. Yet when I would share early drafts with her, she would, overly, affirm my work and then make a few changes that would make it sparkly and perfect. Actually, I wonder how she would have rephrased sparkly and perfect. I bet it would be gleaming and flawless. The point of this, outside of my jealousy for her talent, was that over time, Adeline became a trusted creative partner. If one of us had to whip up a marketing slogan, name an event, or crack the code on some bit of copy, we'd open up a Slack channel and start pitching ideas to each other. The ideas were bad, all of them. Because until, until you've created the right thing, you're either doing the wrong thing or a lesser version of the right thing. In any event, it's not good and it's not there. And getting there requires the painful, embarrassing, brutal slog of creating bad work in search of the good. The secret of Adeline was her non-judgmental ease as we headed towards the elusive creative right solution. I hope I provided that for her as well. We certainly did trust each other with the worst we had to offer, knowing that living in the level of trusted transparency that we did would push us both upwards. Eventually, we'd leave the worst behind and slack high five when we, know, when we knew we'd reached the top. Nobody was embarrassed. Everyone felt joy. Something new now existed. Here's the moral of the story. Creating anything is extremely hard. Creating anything alone is impossible. In my life, as I've attempted anything in the realm of creation, be it parenting in a way I've never known myself, pursuing a healthier mind and body, and even writing this article, I've had to allow people to see the ugliest, realest, most embarrassing drafts of work that is not yet ready. To underscore that point, here's a snippet of crap I wrote in early 2020. <laughs> I was traversing a lot of personal crisis and decided that the best way to express myself would be to start a newsletter and email and then email people my deepest, darkest, unfiltered musings every week. Think doing the best we can, but with scorched earth insanity from a guy who needed counseling in Zoloft. This writing was sent to a group of close friends for their feedback. Enjoy. Here it is. Something is happening, and I'm not entirely sure why it's happening, but I know I've experienced it before. I refer to it as the chipping away. Note, the chipping away is a terrible name, and my creative friends would workshop that and come up with something much more clever. But in my inner monologue, I call it that. So here we are. Here's what's chipping away. Okay, so, uh, God, it's terrible. And what's worse, 
is it that I used chipping away three times, including once to express, explain the phrase itself was not that good? Was it worse that I had to put a note on the second sentence because I was embarrassed by how dumb the premise was? Or was it the fact that this snippet was part of a 2,000-word behemoth of pain that I thrust upon my friends who really didn't need that much inner monologue? The answer is all the above. Yet there my friends were, gently encouraging me to keep going and slightly less encouraging me uh, not to send this off to the masses. They knew it was a draft, even if I thought it was realized. We're all brutally being created and creating. So I have to remember to leave fancy coffee and pastries at the doorsteps of new parents and tip the young door draft door dash driver more than usual. I should be more like Adeline in my interactions with others, remembering that they are also working hard and need a friend to encourage them to keep going. I should remember that anything I have ever done exists only because the people who have my best interests at heart, who see me in my messiest drafts, don't make me feel stupid for typos and terrible sentence structure and encourage me to keep going, to keep living, to keep trying, and to keep taking my Zoloft. Okay, so those were some of my thoughts on creativity. I went back and forth with this a lot. Actually, this article started because of last week's article. I have just been in a real funk with writing lately. I think some of it had to do with uh, starting on the network and just sort of feeling that increased pressure of more people listening and wondering what am I doing and why, and then remembering like, oh man, none of this has to be, none of this has to be perfect. It, it doesn't even have to be good. That's just where I'm at today. And so uh, I kind of started thinking about this and the creative process and how we're all creative. And I don't know, maybe it made sense to you. In any event, uh, I wanted to share a little bit now on the free skate um, a couple of things. Uh, so I thought, you know, what would be fun if I'm asking all of us or maybe I'm not I'm not asking you do what you want to do with it. But as I'm asking all of us to consider, at least, the idea of showing your messiest, ugliest self, I've been thinking about some of the things over the years that I have created that I could share with you. Now, a lot of what I've created is all probably stuff you've read about so far. You know, psychology, counseling, thinking through myself, all of this kind of stuff. That's the real creation that I've been probably hardest to work on. But a simple example is things I've written. And I thought, okay, what could I share that's just like, so embarrassing that I wouldn't want to share it. And so I've come up with this. In uh, 20, no, yeah, I don't remember what year it was. 2015, I would have been 35 years old. I uh, was, I think, still on another podcast, the relevant podcast. I'm not sure. Um, but I had a very sweet book agent uh, approach me about possibly writing a book. And I mean, this guy is so sweet. He is so kind. Note, I am not writing a book. There is no announcement coming. I am not with this agent. I'm not with any agent, um, but he's a great person. And um, he was a good friend at that time. But anyhow, so I am just so full of myself. And I wrote a, uh, a book proposal. And I went back today to look at the book proposal and was uh, slightly horrified. Um, so I'm going to read you some of the book proposal. I read this to you in hopes that you know that uh, this was my very best offering. I sweat over this. I worked over this. I submitted this. I put this in special formatting, and I really thought that this would ever be turned into a book. And so I'm going to read you some of it. 
as bad as it is. The book title is called 30, A Guide to Becoming an Adult. <laughs> okay, I'm 35 when I wrote this, so how could I possibly know how to become an adult? I, <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Here's the premise. I was recently explaining the idea of this book to a friend. You know, it's about figuring out your 20s and navigating the insanity of those years. It's about making it to 30 and realizing that all the decisions you made were critical, yet all, not altogether as important as you thought they were. I guess the book's really about learning to trust God in your first big round of life-changing decisions. <laughs> and making it to adulthood with your faith in tow. What you can't see is that entire first paragraph of this opening summary that I was hoping to send to publishers was all a quote. And it was me quoting myself to a friend. <laughs> Anyhow, oh cool, my friend said. So you're writing a memoir. No, 30 is not a memoir, as I am not a president. What does that even mean? I've never been, in, I've never invented anything and I have no juicy Hollywood stories. So I'd like you to believe, I mean, literally at this point, what the hell am I talking about? But I do have a lot of stories, some of them from my path to 30, most of them from others who figured it, <laughs> figured it out much better than me. God. So I suppose the argument could be made that 30 is our memoir. Our story of the decisions we'll be facing, the challenges we'll hurdle, and the opportunities we'll all have to impact the trajectory of our lives and the lives of others. God. So, uh, there is more, but I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm not even going to continue on that last paragraph. But here's here's another piece of it. So, when you're writing a book proposal, apparently, I have never written a book proposal outside of this one. You have to talk about um, kind of like you break down a paragraph at a time of what it is you're going to be writing about. So paragraph, no paragraph, chapter. So chapter one, I write about this. Chapter two, I write about this. So um, here are some of the breakdown of the chapters. Um, and this was a particular piece of writing that when I read it, I absolutely thought I'm never sharing this with anyone, which is why I then highlighted it and remembered to share it with you because... This is the process of creation, and I'm hoping you all will accept this. Um, okay, so um, this is from chapter two called Playing Offense. Here we go. I was in gifted, thank you, which means that I and a bunch of other pretentious smart kids got to skip regular class every Thursday and go to a magical place where we do all sorts of gifted kid things. Things like fake archaeology digs, designing protective boxes for eggs and dropping them off the roof, and genealogy projects where I learned that one of my grandmas has some fairly significant skeletons in her closet. Then, of course, we ended each day of Gifted with an episode of Captain Planet. Okay, now... I'm going to now explain Captain Planet. This is a book proposal. If you're not aware of this 80s cartoon masterpiece, here's a brief synopsis. There are five kids, a.k.a. Planeteers, in a little club together. Each kid has a superpower associated with nature. And I kid you not, three of them were earth, wind, and fire. I don't know why I'd be kidding about that. I guess the joke was maybe that... It was like the band. Anyhow, these planeteers would inevitably fall into some conflict with a gang of ruffians who were trying to dump trash in the ocean or something. And when five of them would run out of ideas, they would combine their powers and out would spring the teal-mulleted awesomeness of Captain Planet. He's our hero. Old Cappy would then save the day, teach the planeteers a lesson, and then the credits would roll. What a show. What a captain. Gifted rules. You and your spouse are both planeteers. I swear to God, I used 
two and a half paragraphs to explain a show just so that I could make the point. You and your spouse are both planeteers. You're two different people with unique abilities, dreams, fears, and lives. But you have been brought together, not so that you could forfeit those things, but so that you could combine those characteristics to create something new and more powerful. And there was two typos in that paragraph. So I, I really, I was very tickled with myself that I spent paragraphs talking about Captain Planet so that I could make, basically make the idea and the point, which I guess is a true point, that together you and the person, I guess that's your spouse now, I don't know, we didn't start talking about a spouse, but the person that's your spouse combine each other's best and worst characteristics. Oh, that was a sweet one. Um, And then I have one more little paragraph for you. Okay, so another part of a book proposal is that you have to kind of share about what future books you think you could write. The idea, I guess, for a publisher is that you're not just a one-hit wonder, but that uh, you, you you could talk about other like you you have more in the tank so they could maybe not just market you one time to sell one book but you would have a few books um so here were the three titles of the books the first one was called idol worship how the church is killing the pulpit so i just wrote a whole self-help feel-good book about that and my follow-up book is about how the church is killing itself (laughs) god the second book is called 20 get it because i wrote one called 30 and now this one's called 20 except that i titled the book three zero and then i titled the follow-up book and i spelled out 20 so those don't even match and then the last book the last book that i thought i would write was called the fat kid runs a marathon here was the description i wrote of it in the vein of seven by jen hatmaker and a walk in the woods by bill bryson the fat, kids run, the fat Kid Runs a Marathon is going to be a memoir. So I am pitching a memoir for something that didn't happen. Okay. It's basically like I'm future casting. Okay, fine. A humorous memoir that begins on the day I sign up for the Boston Marathon and ends on the day I cross the finish line. In this book, I will weave through a tapestry of hilarious and incredibly embarrassing training stories, a serious and vulnerable conversation about my own battle with weight, God's view of me and the psychology behind body image. So fine. That's the idea for a book. Apparently it was my third book that I would write or fourth book after this. And it was, I had, I would have to run a full marathon to do it. And I would have to become an expert on the psychology of body image. Mind you, I wrote, uh, ran 1.8 miles this morning and thought I was going to die. I ran a half marathon one time and shredded my knee. But for this book, I was going to need to do an entire thing. And also, it was going to be as good as Seven by Jen Hatmaker and A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. So I am done laughing at myself now. But I hope that uh, if you're still listening and if you're still here, uh, and if I haven't lost you because of this free skate, that at least uh, sharing some of this junky work is uh, maybe amusing. But if nothing else, it's been good for me to look back on to remember that at what point this wasn't junky work. This was the very, very best I could do. And I'm still proud of it. I laugh at it now, but I assume that at some point I'm going to be looking at what I just read to you earlier on today, issue whatever, 32, and we'll probably laugh at that because I guess the part of creation and creating is realizing that actually probably we're never finished and it's all a work in process. 
Also, I need to get better at laughing at myself. I'm not very good at it. But this one, this is worth laughing at. So, all right, that's it. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Let me do the, let's do the closing music. It just feels right. Okay, here it is. Uh, Listen, I will wrap up real quickly by saying, as always, thank you to my brother, Uncle Jimmy, uh, who does read these issues every single week and does give me really honest feedback and does make them better and is a really good partner in uh, the ugly work. If you would like to hire Uncle Jimmy, his information is uh, in the newsletter. And uh, he's a great editor and he's a great trusted partner and he can do that for you as well. I am already hard at work next week on the newsletter and the podcast and look forward to seeing you. Make sure you are subscribed to everything. And if you get a moment, rating and reviewing the show helps other people find it. And it means a lot to me. So thanks for being in the process of creation with me. (laughs) I look forward to seeing you next week on a brand new Doing the Best We Can.